We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown. Thanks for joining Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's Chris Biederman. I'm Kyle Madsen. We're your hosts. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. New format. You're hosting. Yeah, I'm going to try it anyways. Um, We still got to figure out ways to incorporate your beating the heat bit, though. Yeah, it's less hot in my office today. We tried recording a podcast. We're doing this Wednesday afternoon. We tried Tuesday afternoon, ran into some technical hiccups. And decided to just kind of regroup and and try again on Wednesday. Tuesday, it was very hot in my office. Today, it's only a little bit warm. But yeah, the, the beating the heat bit is coming back very rapidly because I think it's going to get hot real soon. Yeah, and I don't have air conditioning and um, it is getting warm in the South Bay. So uh, currently, I'm, I'm in a sleeveless and nice, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready up. to work up a lather talking about the NFL draft. So let's I'm... do this. <laughs> Is that going to be your deal this year? You're going no sleeves all year? Is that just going to be uh, your, your thing? Recording the pod. I might just say I'm sleeveless every time. <laughs> that's, that's how you're beating the heat. Yeah. You just take those sleeves off. You feel great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just just rip shirts. 
Uh, so last episode, if you didn't hear it, you can go check it out uh, on your feed. We did a full first round mock for this year's NFL draft. Today, we're going to dive into our own individual three round mock drafts for the 49ers using the Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator. It's a pretty cool tool. It allows us to trade up or down and gives us a better idea of what or better opportunity to kind of mimic what the 49ers might do in the draft since it looks like standing pat at 13 and 31 is probably not in the cards i i imagine and chris i think you're in the same boat that they're going to move around from one of those spots um chris you did a couple so mm-hmm. why don't we start i know you really like one and then you like the other one a little bit less yeah Let's we'll do the one the i one. like less first yeah save the best for last uh right. i have one to do so i'll sandwich mine in between there so uh let's go through the picks and trades and uh some of the logic behind behind those moves sure so the first draft i uh i ended up taking four players in the first three rounds and and i did it because i traded down twice so i traded from 31 to cleveland to 41 uh, and 74. And then I traded from 41 to 43 while also getting pick 50 and sending out uh, pick 156 in round five to the Bears. So trading down twice, ending up with four picks during the first three rounds. Um, I don't know if the 49ers are going to trade down twice. I think surely they're going to trade down at least once. But twice to me would make sense just given the needs that they have. And so um let's start here with pick number 13 i, I forget so you exactly. wound up real quick real quick so you yeah. wound up with 13 43 50 and, and 74, 74. Yeah. and then the 156 the the second of their two fifths yeah traded away okay got it okay. yeah so um admittedly I, I don't remember who was on the board and and what transpired at each pick because i've been messing around with a lot of mocks on PFF and and uh, and I did like this one. So the first one, and, and I'll admit, both of these um, I started out with taking receivers at 13, and that's in part because I'm pandering a little bit, and uh, admittedly <laughs> because I know how much fans focus on the the receivers at 13, um, but also because I do think it's a legitimate possibility, um, and also based on the needs that the 49ers have, they might be best off going with that receiver early. And then filling out other positions later as, as we're going to talk about as we go through these. So the first guy is Jerry Judy um, at 13, Alabama receiver, somebody who I think is probably the best receiver in this draft. Um, I, I know a lot of people would make the case for that. Some people like Chris Sims are are um, not as high on Jerry Judy as other people because they don't believe he is. He has explosive first round traits, which I think is a little bit silly because (laughs) because (laughs) I understand. I mean, they're the the traits first production thing is is a whole different conversation. And and I think it takes a lot of nuance to really go through it, like where the value is and what you're looking for at certain points. But for me, just uh, Jerry Judy to me is just a great fit. Like Kyle Shanahan values separation skills, route running. You look at the type of receiver Emmanuel Sanders is, I think Jerry Judy is very close to that kind of receiver. And and um, if, if there is a question about Judy, it might be physicality over the middle of the field, which is a similar question that we have about Dante Pettis. But other than that, like, you know, some people compare him to Odell Beckham Jr. He doesn't have the massive hands and make the 
makes as many, you know, crazy one-handed grabs as, as OBJ does. But in terms of route running and athleticism, I think it's a, it's a pretty good comparison. So Judy there at 13, I think would be a really, really good pick for the 49ers. Um, and I know I'm not alone on there. So that's, that's my pandering selection sort of at 13 nice, uh, at 43. Can I interject uh, yeah. real quick? About Go ahead. Judy. I feel a little bit like it, Judy is going to be the top receiver on the Niners board. And I feel a little bit like if he's not available, they may take some phone calls on the 13th pick. Unless there's a player at another position they really like, but uh, assuming they're going to go receiver. I almost wonder if they then pick up the phone and call the Falcons, who are reported to want to trade up from 16 to take C.J. Henderson from Florida. That might all be smokescreens. It's smokescreen season. But if we're taking that at face value, I I, I would wonder if, if Judy's not there, if the Niners try and trade back and maybe get whoever they were going to take at 13 a couple picks later. I think it's possible... We're going to talk about Henry Ruggs in my second mock. Um, I, I think Ruggs would be an excellent fit for the Niners. So I don't um, – we'll have to see about where things fall. There, People are all over the map in terms of how where these guys are going to get drafted. Some people think Ruggs is a top receiver and maybe he goes inside the top 10. Others, others think it's CeeDee Lamb. Others think it's Judy. Um, so the 49ers are certainly going to be in that mix at 13, but – I will say, like doing doing a lot of these mocks on PFF, and PFF's algorithm has all these receivers going early. I think there was something like, um, you know, all, like the top ten receivers were off the board by the time I got to my second round picks after trading back in a bunch of these mocks. So um, PFF loves these receivers and might be overvaluing them. I'm I'm not sure. We'll have to see what happens on the draft, but um it could be that the 49ers best chance to get a starter is going receiver at 13 sort of no matter what uh so we'll have to see but um at 43 after trading back twice uh, i went a little bit off the beaten path here and went with a defensive back but it's not a corner Uh, i went with antoine winfield jr the safety slash slot corner from minnesota and i'm assuming that listeners will raise their eyebrows at this pick and say why well you I sure to, did. <laughs> you have Jaquaski Tart entering the last year of his contract. He's missed about half the games the last few years because of injuries. So um, that's not to say that, you know, Winfield would come in right away and replace Jaquaski Tart. I think he's probably better at free safety or in the slot. But you look at free safety, you have Jimmy Ward, who's been injured throughout basically his entire career. Last year, he played uh, 13 regular season games, including the three playoff games. So those were the most i think since his second season i want to say when he played in um in all 16 regular season games so in getting winfield you get somebody that could play both safety spots because both of those guys have dealt with injury issues jaquaski tart is entering the last year of his contract and additionally kwan williams the slot cornerback is also entering the last year of his contract and winfield could potentially be a long-term fit there so in terms of fit I think that's where Winfield makes the most sense. And people, you know, people will say, well, they don't, they need a cornerback more than a safety right now. And I guess you can make that case to me. I think Winfield is the type of guy who's just a really, really good football player who you get in your room. And then you just worry about exactly where he plays and how he fits in later. Um, And, and I think he's versatile. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's 
Uh, I think, what, 5'11", 200 pounds, 203 pounds. He doesn't have great length, but I do think he can play strong safety. 5'9", 203. 5'9", 203. Okay, so he's not the biggest guy in the world, but I just think he's an excellent football player. And um, I think he's somebody that you draft and you feel really good about having him on your roster uh, for at least the next four years. And somebody who doesn't have necessarily first-round traits, but might out giving you might end up giving you first round value in the second round if he becomes a productive starter and uh and i think that certainly could happen so the the need the fit for winfield isn't apparent right now but he's just one of those guys who's just a really good defensive back who could give you some versatility whether it's on the back end or in the box and uh and could potentially play the slot too or you might have a need if you decide not to pay k1 williams next year so that's my pick. Uh, that's my pick at 43. And, I, um, I am of the mind that building a team by adding as many good football players as possible is the way to go. Right. And if Winfield is just the best football player available at 43, especially in this scenario where you pick seven selections later, like adding a guy like that and then figuring out how he helps the team later is absolutely the right move. Yeah, I would. Uh, so, yeah, that I, I agree with with all of that. And, and I, I just like I said, I just think Winfield's going to be excellent. It wouldn't surprise me if he went to a team like, say, I don't know, Baltimore or New England and is just like a perennial pro bowler because those those teams have excellent coaching staffs um, and utilize his versatility and, and all of those things. I, I just think he's going to be a really good player. So um, he doesn't have the size you want and you know we talk about traits and everything like that i think he's just a really good player so um that's the pick at 43 at pick number 50 i went with austin jackson the tackle um from usc is sort of a, a developmental guy who you might be able to get into the starting lineup um maybe not in 2020 but in 2021 if and when joe staley uh retires and and hangs it up I, i just think you know, the, the 49ers are probably going to come out of this draft with a tackle somewhere. And I know they have Justin School, who played pretty well, six-round pick last year, uh, replacing Joe Staley for those games while he was out early in the year with a broken leg and then later. Um, uh, actually, well, yeah, he replaced him for, for the first the first portion of that Packers blowout in the end of the regular season before he was replaced by Daniel Brunskill. But um, I think... Jackson is just somebody who has all the traits and athleticism you're looking for. And he's just 20 years old, right? So he's almost 6'5", 322 pounds, 34-inch arms, over 10-inch hands, uh, a 40 and 5.07, which is pretty fast. Um, He's actually a Sacramento native, so I wouldn't mind having a Sacramento guy to write about. Um, But he's just, he's athletic, he's smooth. And somebody who, with some refinement, could potentially be a high-level starter in the league. I don't know if he could play guard, and I know the 49ers have a need potentially at right guard right now with Mike Person out. But I think Austin Jackson in round two after moving back would be uh, would be a nice value pick, and potentially if he does end up starting, um, that is a really affordable player at a premium position when you're talking salary cap numbers and. The 49ers are going to be up against the salary cap over these next few year few years, so I think that's uh that's you know getting a getting a cheap tackle on a rookie contract is is going to be an important thing to do. 
Yeah, and I wonder too, like you talk about Jackson being being a project. I think that's the exact kind of tackle the Niners need to take because if if they're looking at a tackle at 13 or wherever in the first round that they're not sure can play guard, it's hard to justify using a first round pick on a guy who may not play this year and may not really have a role. So Jackson to me is the ideal kind of fit project wise. Do you think because I I'm not certain just based on what I've what I've read I haven't broken down a ton of Austin Jackson tape but <laughs> it doesn't sound like he'll be able to fit in at right guard do you think that would deter the 49ers at all uh knowing that his role basically in year one would be as a swing tackle no because I think Kyle Shanahan likes Tom Compton enough um and Ben Garland enough that if they don't use you know a, a pick within the first three or four rounds on a guard um and daniel brunskill like they they have they have guys who could play right guard at a starter's level i don't know that any of those three are long-term options there but it might be a case where they don't draft a guard till round five um and that ends up being somebody they develop into a starter because kyle shanahan he really values centers evident by the 47 and a half million dollar contract weston richburg got a couple years ago and he really values tackles, evident by Joe Staley being one of the highest paid players on the team and the team using a, the ninth overall pick in 2018 on Mike McGlinchey. Guard is, you know, the 49ers traded, what was it, a fifth round pick for former first round pick Lakin Tomlinson and and ended up paying him. That, I mean, they're not interested in, in investing premium resources at guard. So uh, I think if they were to get somebody to play guard early in the draft, it would be a future tackle. I don't know that Jackson is is going to be I, – I just think he's too long. You want you typically want somebody more compact who's better at reading right. things quickly on the inside because you have a whole lot more going on on the inside than you do on the outside where your your assignments are pretty clear-cut uh, relative to, to what happens on the inside. Um, so I, I don't think Jackson would be a guard, um, but I, I think he's somebody that you develop long-term as a tackle and, and you feel good about the other guys you have at guard. Um, until, you know, if you decide to draft somebody later in the, in the draft. That makes sense. Uh, so my fourth pick, um, is Raekwon Davis, the interior defensive lineman for Alabama. And Davis, I think has more physical tools, like his physical tools outweigh his production from Alabama. A lot of people, um, or not a lot of people, I guess, but um, just just reading scouting reports and watching him play a little bit, people are not in love with his pass rushing ability. And I know he had a really productive year as a sophomore. I want to say he had eight and a half sacks um, as a sophomore, and then sort of you know had like two sacks combined over the last two years or something for for Alabama since then. Um, he was one of the highest rated recruits in the country at his position defensive tackle he certainly looks the part um he's massive uh i'm i'm looking up his his exact size right now six six three hundred and eleven pounds um yeah eight and a half sacks in 2017 a sack and a half in 2018 and half a sack last year he was a first team all sec guy in 2017 um and and came back to earth a little bit and i think the knock on him is that uh you know why didn't he get better during his career at Alabama. And, and I don't really know, but I think he has all the physical tools to develop into a high level starter. Um, he just didn't necessarily do it. And, and maybe he just needs better coaching. Maybe he needs to mature a little bit. 
But I think he's a type of player that when you surround him with the talent the 49ers have on their defensive line, I think you can maximize him. And, and if he's in there just to, you know, play three technique or nose tackle and occupy a couple blocks and allow the other guys to get their one-on-ones, um, then I think somebody who can do that on a consistent basis in round three after trading back um, is, is good value. And I think the 49ers, as much as I like DJ Jones and think DJ Jones could be a good pass rusher, the nose tackle is probably going to get a lot more time at three technique now with DeForest Buckner gone. I do think you need to add somebody else. And I think Raekwon Davis could be that guy um, just who you know could be part of the rotation. I don't think he's going to you know play 80% of the snaps like DeForest Buckner did, but I think he's somebody that you could draft in round three or maybe later and feel good about his pedigree, about his his uh, his tools, his traits, and uh, and he started a ton of games in in the SEC over the last few years, and um, you know no significant injury concerns, and uh, and and I I like the idea of getting somebody like that from a high level program in round three, potentially now that you have DeForest Buckner gone, um, and so yeah, I, he's he's not a perfect prospect. I think he's somebody who people pegged as maybe a first round pick potentially after his 2017 season when he had eight and a half sacks but um somebody who could get back to that level of production with a third round pick uh under chris kasurik who you know is is one of the better defensive line coaches in the league and could probably light a fire under him i I think that would be a a pretty reasonable pick to make in round three I know this is super anecdotal and i don't really have any numbers or facts to back this up but Raekwon Davis just seems totally like the kind of pick that a really good team makes and they get lauded for making when he has five and a half sacks and comes up with a big one like late in the season. And the whole narrative is everything you just said, how he was once a top prospect who fell off, but he refound his game with this great organization and finding really talented guys on late on day two early day three is just kind of how teams extend their championship windows and I think Davis is the perfect type of player uh to to potentially fill that role like I I think his his floor is pretty low but I also think his ceiling is super high and at pick number 74 the risk reward there for me is is worth it yeah, he seems somebody that like Bill Belichick would draft in round three or four and sort of find the perfect role for him and then turn him into a really valuable player and then let him leave in free agency when he signs, you know, for $10 million a year somewhere else. And then Belichick drafts the next guy. That's sort of what Davis seems like to me. Somebody who, if you get him in the right system and the right around the right coaching staff and, and teammates, he might be able to, uh, to outperform uh, his draft status. So. Yeah, I think um, that's right. So the three, the four picks I made: Jerry Judy at thirteen, Antoine Winfield Jr. at forty-three, Austin Jackson at fifty, and Raekwon Davis at seventy-four. So um, I didn't necessarily hit all of the needs we talk about, but I got the 49ers a receiver, um, a DB, and, and a tackle, and then uh, an interior guy potentially to take DeForest Buckner snaps or some of them anyway. In uh, in with four picks in the first three rounds. Yeah, I think the four picks in the first three rounds is really the kicker there for me. Like when I when I look at that, like like you said, they they filled some needs and really that 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 draft would be one of those ones that I think would really 
come into play maybe next year, especially if those, if those guys develop. But if the Niners, if you just said, like, without knowing who they picked, that they wind up picking at 13, 43, 50, and 74, I think they'd be sitting in a pretty good spot. Like, that gives them a lot of, a lot of, use the phrase yesterday, bites at the apple. That gives them a lot of bites at the apple and trying to add talented, cheap players going forward. Yeah, and what you need when your championship window is open is, like, they don't need all these guys to start right away, but they need them to be, like, quality additions to the roster. Like, if, you know, if Jimmy Ward or Jaquaski Tart were to get hurt or Kwan Williams were to get hurt, having Winfield to come in could be huge for you, right? And so um, having Austin Jackson, if, um, you know, if Joe Staley or Mike McGlinchey were to get hurt to come in and play at a starter's level would be massive for them, right? Like you win in the NFL by having depth on the roster. And I I think people, I know, like I'm going to mention Bill Belichick again, but like he would, he values the, the spots 40 through 50 on his roster as much as anybody in the league. And so when the 49ers, you know, they really only have two or three starting spots open on all, you know, all of their 22 spots, like only two or three are open at this point. So right. you're not going to find starters in the draft um, to just come in and replace those guys. A lot of these guys are going to come in as backups, but you're going to have attrition. Things are going to happen and you're going to need these guys to play. So that's why I think it's important to, to get, you know, four guys in the first three rounds that you feel good about rather than one guy per round and, you know, a project in round four, um, unknowns in round five, things like that. Like, I, I think, I think this using 31 to trade back multiple times would be, would be a good, um, a good way to draw this thing up if you're the 49ers. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And we saw, we saw last year just how important quality depth is. They lost both their offensive tackles and they lost a linebacker and uh, they lost a strong safety. And I I mean, you can go down the list. They lost George Kittle for a while and Emmanuel Sanders. Like they had players hurt all year and that's just going to happen in the NFL. So continuing to strive for having quality depth, I think is, is going to be really important for, for San Francisco, not only this year, but just kind of moving forward. Uh, that that's the commonality in every championship team is just how kind of deep they are. Um, do we want to, let's take a break before, uh, before we get to your mock draft. Yeah, let's do that. With currently no NBA, NHL, or major league baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so let's hear what you got going with your mock draft simulation. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so I picked, and I forgot to write down my trades, 
Oh, Smart my. move by me. I picked at 13, 49, 81, and 102. Okay. I know that in one of those trades, I scooped up a 2021 third round pick. Nice. Uh, with the 13th selection, so when I picked at 13, all three of Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb were off the board. Okay. They were gone. So Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, two players that we've talked a little bit about as possibly stepping in to replace DeForest Buckner, both of them were available. I went with Brown from Auburn because I think his floor is a little bit higher than Kinlaw's. And I think that both of those guys you can stick in and and they can eat a lot of the snaps Buckner was playing last year. Maybe not at the level that he was playing, but I think they can both be effective. Uh, Brown, like I said, I just think that his floor is a little bit higher, even if his ceiling is not. So he was really the best player available. The Pats offered the 23rd pick which uh, might actually happen if Tua Tungavailoa winds up sliding outside the top 10 and makes his way to number 13. I wouldn't be surprised if if Bill Belichick hits up John Lynch and and sees what he can offer for that 13th pick. But um, yeah, decided not to trade down and went with Derek Brown because I think that replacing DeForest Buckner's production is going to be the biggest key in getting the 49ers to kind of recapture the formula that they had last year. I think their offense is going to be a little bit better. And even if their defense regresses some, that's that's okay. But I think Brown gives them the best chance to to not experience a huge regression on the defensive side. Yeah, I, I like Brown um, potentially as a as a nose tackle and three tech. I, I do think Kinlaw is a better pass rusher. Yeah. Um, but you might not need the pure pass rushing from that spot with Eric Armstead, uh, D Ford and, and Nick Bosa on the team. Brown might be better at just occupying blockers, pushing the pocket and just having sort of that overwhelming physicality that you see from guys like, you know, Fletcher Cox and Akeem Hicks. I think those are reasonable comparisons for Brown. But what I will say, like defensive tackles who don't rush the passer to me are like, I'm a little hesitant to take them in the first half of round one. And it sort of goes sure. back to the, the Quinn and Williams conversation we had last year mm-hmm. in that, like, you know, and that's, a, that's a different scenario because that's a top five pick, but yeah, but even 13 is pretty early. I agree with you. Yeah. 13 is early. I mean, if, if you're convinced Brown is going to be Akeem Hicks, then it's, then it's worth it. Right, um, but he has but, to be a pro bowler. Yeah. Uh, but if he's not a high level defensive tackle and, you know, depending on, who else was still on the board there? You might regret not having Kinlaw. I, I like Kinlaw better than Brown, but I certainly understand the case for Brown over Kinlaw. Um, I think Kinlaw is a better pass rusher and maybe more like DeForest Buckner in terms of like athleticism and the way he moves rather than, uh, you know, Brown is more of like a space clogger and penetrator while, while Kinlaw has a little bit more shake to him um, and can, and can swim around guys a little bit better and things like that. But, uh, I like both, particularly if all three receivers are gone. I think you're you're probably doing well if you take one of those guys at 13. Uh, do you remember if any offensive tackles were on the board at 13 when you picked? I believe Jedrick Wills was. Interesting. I think. I, I think Wills of, of might the have been top... Andrew Thomas. Okay. I think Wills of the top four tackles, uh, Wills and Tristan Wirfs. I think Wirfs is probably a top five pick, but. Wills and Wirfs are the two guys I think could play guard. Um, 
or could play guard at least at a high level and what they do translates to guard um i don't know if that's true about andrew thomas or makai becton um i'm not a big becton guy particularly for the 49ers maybe for for another team that's willing to take on a project like that but um yeah wills would be would be an interesting pick because he could play at right guard before eventually moving to tackle when joe staley retires yeah so I, I could definitely see that if if one of those guys are available, especially if they think if a player like Wills or Thomas or whoever it is can play can play guard, I I could absolutely see absolutely see them doing that in this year's draft with an eye toward life after Joe Staley. I didn't pick again until number forty nine, and at that spot I went with Mississippi State quarterback Cameron Dantzler, who has met with the Forty ers He's 6'2", 188. He didn't perform very well at the Combine, but this is one of those, it's one of those cases of of maybe he just doesn't work out well. Because when you watch him, and he was a guy that, that I had taken in a touchdown wire mock draft, and so I spent some time watching him, and it was never, it was never like, oh, this guy's not a very good athlete. It, it never stood out that he 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 wasn't fast. He ran a four six four at the combine, which was a huge red flag. And then he actually became kind of a discussion point on Twitter a couple weeks later because he posted a home workout where he clocked himself at a four three eight forty, and just nobody was buying it. <laughs> so I I I think in reality he's probably somewhere between that four six four and that four three eight. Eric Crocker actually told a story, speaking specifically of 40s, Eric Crocker, who we we had on the pod, talked about when he was working out for NFL teams, he ran a 40 for one team and then went and worked on his technique, just starting and his sprinting technique in the 40 and shaved time off in the span of like a week. So that's where that's where I say, like, maybe he's just not great at working out. Uh, so Cameron Dantzler, I'm not worried about. His athleticism at all. It doesn't show up on tape. He is he turns like every contested catch into a street fight, which is what I really like to see out of out of a cornerback. And even if he's not ready to start on day one, the Niners can get by without that uh this season. But I think Dantzler can be a really solid pro for a long time. I don't know if he'll ever be a pro bowler or anything, but he just has all the tools that that I think could translate into a, a solid NFL player under NFL coaching. Yeah. So pro football focus, uh, they said, according to their data, that he's only allowed one touchdown in his career in college. Holy um, smokes. And they talk about how good he is as a, as a press corner. So I definitely think um, that would fit. And yeah, like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't know, you know, if, if I'm really worried about his speed, if, if you're playing in the sec, um, and you've only allowed one touchdown in your career. Um, I think I think you're probably pretty good, and uh, so yeah, I think I think that would be a good pick, and and particularly to for somebody with his just physicality and how well he presses to to you know work under somebody like Richard Sherman for at least the next season yeah. could uh, could really help him. So I like that pick. My next selection was number 81 and I finally took a receiver because the way the way this PFF draft shook out it it was just every like KJ Hamler was the best receiver available when I when I picked at 49. 
my my goal was to take Michael Pittman Jr. from USC, but he went at number 48, and that was a real bummer. <laughs> so at number 81, I I went with Liberty's Antonio Gandy Golden. He's 6'4, 223. He got a Devontae Parker comp from Lance Zerline at NFL.com. And his production in college was crazy. He was just so very clearly the best player on the field most of the time playing at Liberty. A couple of small issues <laughs> in regards to his fit with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. The three cone that we talked so much about, he was in the fourth percentile in that, and he was in the second percentile in the 20-yard shuttle. Again, this is one of those things where it didn't seem to come up a lot when I was watching him. But at the same time, he's playing against less quality competition than he's going to see in the NFL. And if NFL corners find a way to manipulate you into doing things that you're not good at, like you're going to get run out of the league really fast. And NFL corners are going to be able to do that way better than whoever Liberty University is playing. So that's my big concern there. But I think at 81, he has so many positive traits in terms of size and speed that the Niners can probably find a role for him uh, and figure out a way to to get a little bit of production out of him in, in his rookie year. He was 13th in the country um, in deep yardage with 514 yards coming on deep throws. And he was 11th in the country in slot receptions. Um, and he was 17th in the country, or sorry, he was tied for ninth in the country with 17 contested catches. So this is like a big, strong, physical, uh, contested catch, deep threat guy, which the 49ers could probably use. Um, I'm with you though. I, on, at first blush, I had, I'll admit, I haven't watched a ton of, uh, Liberty football. Wow, man. <laughs> but, uh, not a tape grinder, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, I I don't know that that he is a good fit. But um, hey, maybe the 49ers could use somebody with that type of physicality to to add to what they have. I don't hate it. Yeah, and like I said, third round. I I, I absolutely think the Niners take a receiver before this. This is again, this is just us. This is more away. I don't know how you view it. This is just more away for for me to dive into other prospects I haven't really looked at yet. Right. Um. So my last pick at 102, I actually traded up to 102 because I wanted this guy so bad and I was afraid he was going to go. Memphis running back slash wide receiver Antonio Gibson. If you don't know who Antonio Gibson is, let me tell you, catch the wave now. (laughs) No, he just uh, he's a junior college guy. He was like a three sport star athlete in high school. He ran track. He was a great basketball player, great football player. He went to a junior college his first two years. His first year at Memphis, after transferring, he had six catches for 99 yards and two touchdowns. His second year, he caught 38 passes for 735 yards and eight touchdowns. He also ran it 33 times for 369 yards and four touchdowns. So in 77 offensive touches in college, he scored 14 touchdowns. He also had a kick return for a touchdown last season. Uh, He averaged 27 yards, 28 yards make that per kick return, 19 yards per reception, 11.2 yards per carry. He's just a really good athlete who's good at just kind of everything. 
And in an offense like Kyle Shanahan's where the position matters less than than your actual skill set. Uh, I think a guy like Gibson, who's built like a built like a running back, he's like six foot two twenty, I think. Six three two twenty eight. Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just um, I must have had I must have written the wrong numbers down or something. But uh, yeah, Antonio Gibson, he can line up as a running back. He can line up. Uh, I have him at six foot two twenty eight. Um, he can line up, but he's built more like a running back. He can line up there. He can play in the slot. He can split out wide. He can return kicks. Like, I don't know if he'll pan out in the NFL, but a fourth round pick on a guy who can do all those things under an offensive coach like Kyle Shanahan, who's going to be able to utilize that skill set in a way that's going to make it a real pain in the ass for defenses. I, I, I think the fit is, is there despite, not a ton of college production, but like I said, 14 touchdowns and 77 offensive touches is is impressive enough for me. Yeah, and you're you're basically taking him um, because of the traits. Yes, it's a it's a traits based projection, and and then you're you're hoping you could sort of maximize that. I that that's intriguing. Getting uh, we talk about positionless football a lot. Yeah, um, getting somebody like that who you could just kind of can can do whatever with stick him in a role and um and 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 just utilize that athleticism his 10 yard split at 228 pounds was 1.51 seconds which is a 96 percentile which is crazy uh 439 for a 228 pound guy is is crazy fast so um yeah that would be tough to tackle in open space you get you get a guy that big running running downhill like that well and i think he just i i feel like I'm not super certain that the Jalen Hurd thing is going to work out. And Gibson has maybe not as much experience at, at the D1 level, but he did more running back and receiving stuff throughout his career, both in high school and in junior college, than than Hurd did. Hurd is still kind of transitioning to a wide receiver, where I think Gibson is more ready uh, to do a lot of those things. So that's where I stand on him. Interesting. He is my draft crush. Okay. So go through your uh, your four picks again. Four All right. Four. So at 13, we had Derek Brown, the defensive lineman from Auburn. Cornerback Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State with the 49th pick. At 81, wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. And then Memphis's Antonio Gibson, the do-everything athlete at number 102. So you have a third mock. That you're very proud of. Mm-hmm. You... PFF liked it too. They offer grades and they gave me an elite grade. For this wow, dude. Okay, so this is one that you've hung on the fridge. <laughs> you bought refrigerator magnets just so you could put it up on the fridge. Mm-hmm. It says, look what I made. Yeah, It's like an easel with some art stuff. Right. Let's run through it. Yeah, so, okay. So I have a I have an opinion that uh, that's sort of growing on me as as time goes on, and I think I'm going to be fully invested in this idea by the time the draft comes around next week. I kind of think Henry Ruggs has the highest ceiling of any of the three receivers we talk about at 13. Okay. Within Kyle Shanahan's offense, because Shanahan does such a good job at creating space, um, putting somebody who runs 4-2 in that space and just his ability to pull away from people 
there are a couple plays where, I mean, there was one where he took a slant and it looked like five guys had a beat on tackling him for, you know, 15, 20 yard gain or whatever. And as they're all sort of converging, he just runs by all of them. And it was, it was really remarkable to watch. Yeah, it, it, was, it was just one of those things where it's like he doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he's just covering a ton of ground. Um, and his speed is just different. Like I, and, and I think that type of speed is the perfect complement to George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Um, and, and the thing with Ruggs is like there are no questions about his toughness over the middle of the field um, like you might have about Jared Judy. And there's no, there are no questions about his hands. And I should mention he has 10 and a half inch hands, which you go through a bunch of the, or basically all of the top receivers in the league last year from a production standpoint, they're all at nine and a half inch hands or bigger. Um, and Judy, I think has nine and a half inch hands too, but Ruggs is 10 and a half. Guy. Yeah. Well, Ruggs 10 and a half inch hands for somebody who's 5'11". I mean, that, I, I just feel like that that's rare right there there aren't many 511 dudes with hands that big um so he has good hands i think his route running might be a little bit underrated but i just think about his overall athleticism and what that would look like in kyle shanahan's offense i think rugs might be the dude that is like a star right away i think he's better than tyreek hill was coming out of school um he might not be as dynamic as hill in terms of like the quick game in terms of you know um reverses bubble screens things like that but you get him going down the field um i think rugs could be a really really lethal weapon for the 49ers and uh and and so i like that pick a lot i'm kind of warming to the idea that he might be a higher ceiling player than even jerry judy um because like i mentioned there aren't any concerns about his hands or toughness over the middle and also, he didn't really miss any time with injuries. So he, he, we, we talk about guys like, you know, Marquise Goodwin, who um, whenever he gets nicked up, his his production just completely falls off the table. We don't have that with Ruggs. Um, so I think I, I'm just really liking the idea of Ruggs and Kyle Shanahan's offense. The more I think about it, the more I watch him play. And, uh, and so at 13, I think that would be a really good pick. And particularly like with the idea that the Niners defense isn't going to be as dominant as it was, uh, you're going to have to make up that difference offensively. And I think getting somebody to just take the top off the defense at all times to complement the running game, what Jimmy Garoppolo likes to do in the short and intermediate areas of the field, um, complementing Debo Samuel and George Kittle, I think Ruggs would be an excellent pick at 13. Yeah, I... I've I'm 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 on a roller coaster with rugs, man. Like I wasn't super high on him at first, and then I my opinion changed, and now I'm not I'm just not super certain. And maybe I'm just letting other super fast wide receivers who have not succeeded enter my brain and I'm letting that affect my opinion. Like John Ross. Like it's fair. I think that's that's fair, but I just yeah. Yeah, and I, I like I said, I John Ross also went to a, a not great football team going the wrong direction, and he got hurt. And I, I like I get all that with the Niners. He's coming to a team that has an offensive infrastructure in place with a brilliant offensive head coach who is going to put him in positions that 
play to his strengths. And I just, I envision those routes where uh, Debo Samuel or Kendrick Bourne are running wide open over the middle and where they turn it into a 20 or 30 yard gain rugs houses it. Like I, I, I envision all of that, but there's just, I, I can't give a full throated commitment to that pick. And I, I, I'm not a hundred percent certain why. Okay. Um, well, I hate let's... Henry Ruggs. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't like bash the pick if they made it because um, I think if they're picking a receiver that high, they're supremely confident that he can succeed. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Maybe I'll get there in a week, but no. Okay. So in this mock, I traded down twice, like I did in the first one. So I moved down from 31. Uh, I did a trade with Detroit to get 35 and 67. So um, that's, I, I feel like that's not a trade that would happen in real life. I feel like moving down four spots to get a second and third is, is a great haul. Um, and yeah. so I, I don't know that that would happen, but I think if the 49ers have that opportunity to get those picks for 31, I think they do it 10 times out of 10. I think maybe something like that could happen if, one of the top quarterbacks falls like Jordan love. Like if he falls to 31 and there's multiple teams calling sure. for that pick, I could absolutely see that happening. Anyways, carry on. Uh, and so I traded down twice. I got 35 and 67 for 31. And then I traded down from 35 to 38 and picked up uh pick 69, which is a nice pick to nice. have yeah, and good. added uh 176 in a trade to Carolina. So, so I you have off a fifth rounder, uh, to get an, an additional third rounder by moving back three spots. So you have 13, 38, 67, and 69. Nice. Um, so at 38, I, I mean, I really like all three of these next three picks I'm going to talk about. Uh, Jeff Gladney, the cornerback mm. from TCU, who there's a very, very strong chance he goes in the first round. He's 5'10", 191 pounds, so he's not like the giant – corner that you know we typically associate with with the the 49ers but pro football focus in their draft guide has some pretty good stats on uh, on Gladney from this last season so on passes that traveled 10 to 19 yards past the line of scrimmage Gladney in coverage allowed just six of 14 uh, six completions on 14 targets um, good lord which is which is very good um and then on passes that went 20 yards or longer, uh, he allowed six catches on 20 targets. So he's he's really, really physical. He's fearless. Uh, he plays with a ton of toughness and just sort of that that alpha dog mentality that I, that I think you really like. Um, and I think, you know, somebody who could, develop into a starter maybe right away he could probably start opposite Richard Sherman and then take over that number one role um when Sherman bounces at, at whenever that happens um I watched a little bit of Gladney I, I really liked what I see I think he would be a good fit he's um he's good in man he's good in press I think he could definitely be fine in zone uh he doesn't have you know he didn't test particularly well with his speed um, he, he did 4.48 at the combine, but apparently last off season, he ran four, three, four. Um, so whatever. I mean, I, I think he's plenty fast. 
but I just think he's a guy, maybe if he were an inch taller, maybe if his arms were a touch longer, he's somebody who we'd be talking about as a surefire first round player. Mm -hmm. But because he didn't do that, um, you know, he falls to the second round as somebody who's six foot or no, sorry. He's somebody 5'10", 191 pounds. And, uh, you know, 4.48, 7.26 in the three cone, not great. Um, 37 and a half inches in the vertical, which is a 74th percentile, which is good. Um, 1.53 in the 10 yard split, which is the 86th percentile. Very good. Mm -hmm. So just an explosive guy, physical, fearless, and, uh, and somebody who I think would be a really good pick at 38, particularly after moving down twice to get him. I really like Jeff Gladney a lot. He, uh, kind of like Dantzler compared from a competitive standpoint, like just turns every contested catch into a street fight and what he lacks it. Like when I was first watching him, I didn't know his size and I thought he was much bigger than he was just based on the way he plays. And I think that's a very positive trait to have. You look at a guy like Jason Barrett, who I know he's been hurt, but in his lone full season, he was a first round pick lone full season. He was a pro bowler and sort of that same way undersized, but uh, is just kind of a, just a baller, like is always around the play and always makes it difficult on a receiver. So early in the second round, I think Gladney is a really, really good pick. So at pick uh, 67, I was a little bit surprised this guy was here too. And this is not a position that we talk about a whole lot, but I still really like this pick. It's Curtis Weaver, the pass rusher from Boise State, who was just really an exceptional player these last couple years uh, in college. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up his numbers right now. I have so many windows open that I'm, <laughs> I'm sifting through everything. Um, so when you watch Weaver play, I just think he's he's a really good athlete. He's really springy off his feet, even if he's not somebody, you know, based on the way his body is composed that you think would be a really good athlete. I, I just think he has really good athleticism. Um, I think he's probably a significant upgrade over Ronald Blair right out the box. And so I, I just really like Weaver here in round three, given that he has a potential to be a high level starter at some point down the road. And you're you're basically getting him. I know he's not addressing like a super pressing need because you already have Nick Bosa and D Ford, but we talk about it all the time. Like I love building on your strengths, and if you already have two really good defensive ends, then you might be able to make those guys even better by adding a third to the mix to to give those guys more of a blow during the season. And so I think uh, I think Weaver here at 67 in round three would be a really nice pick because. Like I said, I, I'm kind of expecting him to go earlier than that, maybe round two, but uh, I was pretty happy to have him there in round three because, like I, like with, with DeForest Buckner leaving, you might not be able to replicate that production with, with him gone if you can't get an interior guy, which I don't have in this, in this mock simulation. So uh, I'm making up the difference here with getting an edge player who might be able to make up some of that pass rushing production that, that Buckner – that you no longer get with Buckner now that now that he's on the Colts. Yeah, this is just another it's like Winfield in the last draft. Like adding a good football player and having too many good players at one position is a really good spot to be in. And you mentioned it. The depth on their defensive line was so vital to how good their defensive line was last year. And I think adding to that and just kind of ensuring that 
they have as much depth as possible at that spot, especially with Blair coming off the ACL. I just, I, I really think that's a smart pick. All right. So uh, my last pick at 69 overall is, uh, is Bryce Hall, the cornerback oh, nice. from Virginia. Um, and Hall is definitely more of the, the guy, the, the standard, um, you know, six, one 32 and a quarter inch arms that you think about with, you know, the, the Seahawks style cover three scheme that the 49ers run. Did Barrows make you do this? No, Barrows did not make me do this. He was just <laughs> there. And, and I figured, look, like with Sherman, Akella Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley all unsigned beyond 2020 and Mosley probably comes back in 2021 as a restricted guy, but, um, getting two potential starters at corner in this draft that fit your scheme, um, could, could play right now. Um, and I know Hall is dealing with an ankle injury and maybe that causes him to slide a little bit, but I just think he's an excellent fit for what the 49ers want to do at cornerback. They added a guy from Virginia last year in Tim Harris. So, you know, there's probably enough, um, you know, there, there's probably enough carryover in terms of scheme to where he could he could adjust pretty quickly. Um, and I just really like, you know, watching Bryce Hall. I, I just it's easy to see how he fits. He's good in zone. He's got those long arms. Um, he plays with physicality. And I, I think he would be a, a really nice pick for the 49ers as somebody who could potentially replace Akella Witherspoon if if you don't decide to to give Witherspoon a second contract. Um, and I know in, in this mock, we, we have Gladney too, but I just really like the idea of the 49ers coming away with two potential starters um, in this draft that you could develop. Obviously, no, only one of them would potentially start with Richard Sherman still, you know, as long as he's healthy, he would he's going to play. But to have Gladney and, and Bryce Hall learning under Sherman and potentially being able to fill in as high level starters as, as soon as 2021. I just really like that idea. I like Bryce Hall a lot and, uh, and I really like Gladney a lot. And so I, I'm just like, I w I wasn't able to replicate this, this mock. Like I, I tried to do it and, and I just couldn't because, you know, I, I wasn't able to, to get Gladney at, at that late. He went in the first round about half the time I was doing these mocks. Weaver, I, I don't think got out of round two very often. I didn't, I didn't check yeah. in every single mock I did. And Hall is somebody who I've had my eye on in, in round three for the 49ers um, a lot. So I, I just, you know, with Ruggs, Gladney, Weaver, and Hall, I think that's that's the best I could do. And uh, and PFF gave me a 91.4, which is an elite score on this mock. So I will take it. I will take it, and like you said, print it out, put it on my fridge. And oh, uh, if the 49ers get all these guys, um, I'll feel really, really prescient. Prescient? Prescient? Prescient. Whatever the word is. I feel really Psychic? smart. Psychic. Smart. Like you have ESPN or something. <laughs> so, so again, I, I go back to four picks in the top 70 Yeah, is what stands out first. But then if you're getting that kind of value that that you got in, in this mock with Gladney a few picks into round two, and then you get Weaver and Hall both in round three. Like, man, that's, that's again, you talk about getting good football players at good value and maybe one of Gladney or Hall doesn't work out, but that's you, you get two of those guys. Weaver doesn't need to be a difference maker. He just needs to be a solid rotational guy. Um, and then, and then we talked about rugs earlier and, and his potential fit with Shanahan. It's just, 
I when I when I look at these mocks, either the ones that we're doing or ones that other people are doing, we've had a lot of people sending them to us uh, from the from the PFF simulator. I just I I think that the Niners have so many different ways they can go about this draft. And the thing that stands out as the most common theme is just adding picks in the top 100 or the right. top 120 or, or pick a number. Right. I think that's going to be as vital as anything because it's clear when you start going through these drafts, like they have needs, they have, they have players who can help them. It's just a matter of making sure they're in a position from a draft capital standpoint to, to make those picks. Right. And the reason why I, I sort of experimented and, and went outside the box in terms of adding guys who might not fit traditional needs, like doing all these different simulations, it was incredibly hard to come up with um, a receiver, a defensive tackle, uh, right. an offensive tackle, and a cornerback in those first four picks that all fit. Yeah. Right. Like more important than just adding positions is adding guys to who fit your system and exactly what you do. Yes. Um, yes. When I look at prospects, I'm not looking at, you know, who's going to be available at 13 or, or 31 or whatever. I'm looking at, all right, which guys fit and can the team either take them at those spots or maneuver to get to a spot where they can take them. And so I, I think that's more important than than trying to figure out exactly where guys are going to fall um, or where they end up where they end up getting selected. Um, but the point being is like the 49ers, even if they come out of of the draft with, you know, four picks in the first four rounds, they're probably not going to be a receiver, a tackle, a, a defensive tackle in a corner. That's just probably not going to happen. So, yeah, um, I don't think fans should expect that. Uh, needs are something that I will always argue are overrated. Like needs are, are a snapshot of your roster. You could have a need that completely changes because somebody tears an ACL in a training camp practice. And then all of a sudden you have this glaring need that, that wasn't a need during the draft. So, and the 49ers will say this, like they operate when they're putting the team together in, in, you know, three and four year windows, they, every pick they make, they think about three or four years down the road. Um, which is which is completely different than evaluating a need right now, right? So um, needs can change, which is why I'm always a proponent of trying to take the best available player that fits within your system rather than only drafting positions um, where you might have an apparent need at, at a singular moment in time. Uh, so that would explain like the first mock, like why I did Winfield and, and other things like that. And here, like with Curtis Weaver, like, you know, you don't know if D Ford's going to be on the roster in a couple of years. You don't know what Ronald Blair is going to give you. So you, yeah, you have D Ford and Nick Bosa right now, but why not get a guy who you think can start and and fill in in the meantime? And obviously Solomon Thomas falls into that discussion too. He's entering a contract year, so maybe yeah. getting somebody like Weaver um, will help with that. So yeah. my favorite my favorite question on the internet. And I, I, I know you get it too. And I, I've seen people ask it of everybody who's involved with the 49ers even a little bit is like, so who are they picking? <laughs> right. It's like, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just a matter of like when when people throw out like and and this isn't even just people like like fans that I, I talk to or on Twitter or whatever. This is like analysts. Like I see this on TV 
it's like the 49ers at 13 need to go wide receiver. And then at 31, it's just best player available. It's like, no, I think every pick is like best player available. You're not going to take a shitty wide receiver <laughs> with a, with a, if, if, let, if they think, if they think that, um, the next Tom Brady is available somewhere in the draft. Like they're going to take them. Like, it's just right. Like you get get what I'm saying? Like quarterback isn't a need, but if you can add a great player, a player you think is going to be great at that position, you're going to do it. And even if there isn't, you know, even if you draft that player and he doesn't work out on your roster, like if he's good, then you can trade him. Right. Right. Yeah, like if he's good, you, you can you can maybe capitalize on an investment there or if, you know, having good players on your roster also means that that player is not on another team's roster playing against you. Right. So th- there are situations like that where you could say, all right, we don't have a need for this guy, but we like him enough that there he's going to he's going to elevate himself to be better than somebody who's already in a starting spot. And we're going to prevent him from going to the Seahawks or whatever. Yeah. You know, like if, if Antoine Winfield's on the board and the 49ers say, well, we're fine. We have Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart and Kwan Williams. But Winfield's the best player available at the time that they're picking and they're not going to move back like you take him. And then you're happy that he's on your team and you don't have to you don't have to try to work it out, you know, play against him when he's on the Seahawks or the Rams or whoever. Um. So yeah, I just think it's it's needs are are probably the most overrated thing when it comes to the draft, and it's more about fit and finding yeah. dudes that. And and that being said, I mean we, you know, I have receivers at thirteen going to the Forty ers So yeah, like well, um, but there, there's a there's definitely a balance. But like the Forty ers to get back to the Super Bowl, just flat out need a receiver. Right. I don't think there's and, any doubt about that. And it's it's ultimately it's ultimately like a blend of if the best player available also fits at a, a fills a giant hole in your roster. Like that's the ideal. Like that's why Nick right. Bosa was such a big deal last year. Not only was he the best player in the draft, he was also at the Niners biggest need. And even if they didn't need a defensive end though, like they're probably taking Bosa there. Right. I mean, so that's the ideal, but every team is looking to add the best players that they can, hence best player available. And if that happens to also jibe with their, their needs, like that's, that's just, that's ideal. Yep. So Um, that's my, that's my thoughts. Good uh, job hosting. Thanks, man. Um, I, I took a lot of notes. I was writing everything down. If somebody comes to my house, like if I die and somebody finds these notes written like manically on lined sheets of paper with different like names and doodles on it, mm-hmm. like I promise it's just draft stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, because I've got I've got a lot going on here. But uh, do you have any more mock drafts to get to? I imagine we'll probably do one more before the before the draft. Um. I mean, I've done, there was like one day earlier this week where I just spent two straight hours doing, um, doing a mock draft. Uh, mm. let me, let me, let me just pull up another one. I'll just, I'll just scream okay. through it real quick. All right. Okay. Well, you, well, well, are you going to, are you going to live do it? Cause we're like over an hour into this. Podcast. No, no, no. I'm just going to read it. I had, I had saved oh, okay. the screenshot and everything. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah. So I traded, this was another one. I got five picks. 
I Ooh. traded uh thirteen and one fifty six to Denver for so I traded back from thirteen. So I got uh to move down two spots, I got fifteen, forty six, and seventy seven. Um so second and third round picks for moving back uh two spots. And then I traded um I traded back from thirty to get forty and ninety. So I got a uh, second and a third. So I made five picks in the first three rounds um, in this one. So I got Jedrick Wills, a tackle from Alabama, who I think could also play guard. At 40, Ross Blacklock, the interior defensive lineman from TCU. Mm. Um, really explosive pass rusher, interesting guy. Uh, Bryce Hall, again. This time he's at 46, not 69. So second round pick for Bryce nice. Hall. Uh, 77, Jeremy Chin. The strong safety from a small school. God, I forget where he went. Jeremy Chin, Google, uh, help me out. Southern Illinois should have known that. Uh, yeah, just obviously. A, a really big NFL physical, factory. physical dude like Cam Chancellor build. I don't know if he is Cam Chancellor, but um, when I when I read about him and, and watched him a little bit, I I thought Cam Chancellor. So maybe it's seventy seven. Who who knows really. Uh, the problem is with those first four picks, I didn't end up getting a receiver, but I did at 90 and I got Van Jefferson from Florida, who, um, I actually think is going to be a good player. If he goes to a, a team like the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, he might be, uh, he might turn into a, a decent starter, really good route runner production. Wasn't great at Florida, but there were coaching issues and quarterback issues there. Uh, he's the son of a coach. And I just think he technically he's a really good player, even if he doesn't have all the crazy traits you're talking about. So um, and it was another situation where a ton of receivers went early. So that was just another example of, of one of the mocks I did. Right on, man. Without offering too much uh, analysis. I'll, I'll probably do some more, but I'll probably post them on the Internet, maybe on Niners Wire, probably mostly on on Twitter. So what we've got coming up later this week, we're going to have Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. He's going to join us. I think we're going to record Friday. I'm not sure if we'll drop that Saturday morning or Monday morning. I imagine we'll probably do so Monday morning. Uh, although, <laughs> hey, days of the week don't matter anymore no. uh, during a pandemic. So they do not. That, that will drop at some point in the next few days uh, with Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. We might do one more. We'll do one more before the draft. And then the night of the draft, we won't have a pod ready right after but we will record a podcast after the first round of the draft and then another one after day three has wrapped up just kind of recapping everything that went on and from there we'll move forward with our with our analysis of of uh, what the 49ers did in the draft and and start looking ahead to the the 2020 football season whenever that's set to happen yeah because <laughs> we, we don't really have a, a ton of info on on when that's going to go down either with or without fans so we'll obviously continue keeping track of that as well thank you everybody for listening uh chris keep cranking out those mock drafts <laughs> we will <laughs> we'll be back like i said later on in the week with matt miller of bleacher report to talk about the draft uh see what he's hearing and, and get his thoughts on on just kind of everything we've been talking about and remember stay home stay safe If you do have to be outside, practice social distancing, wear a mask, wear gloves, wash your hands, and uh, we will see you guys next time.